Happy Canada Day, everyone. Who got a chance to celebrate uh, Canada Day yesterday? Who missed their chance and is going to try and do it in the rain? All right, good luck, good luck. <laughs> well, welcome. If you're just joining us uh, for the first time, my name is Rick, and we're really happy that you've chosen to worship alongside us today, and happy Canada Day to you. Clap if you were born in this country. Big round of applause if you were born in this country. Let's hear if you immigrated to this country. You're here. Give me a big round of applause if you immigrated to this country. And give me a round of applause if this is your first Canada Day in this country. Come on, come on. Hey, we got a few. Give it up for our, for our first timers here. Happy Canada Day to you guys. We're really happy that, that you're with us and you've joined us on a great day. Uh, we're in a short two-week series called Beyond Boundaries, and we are looking at the way that God designed us to live in, in, in any country that we find ourselves in. He called us to represent him and his kingdom and to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth just in the same way. Um, however, there's sometimes there's boundaries that whether we set them up or they get set up for us that prevent us from being able to share the gospel and, and share, uh, share God's love with people that we share this country, this world with in different ways. And sometimes we've established those boundaries as Christians or as a church, and sometimes they're set up for us. But what we're gonna look at today is how can we move past the boundaries? We started that last week by talking about how we need to love people well. And today we're gonna move into a, a reflection and a thought on how we need to live well as Canadians in this country, as people that are sharing this country together. And so this week, uh, we talked a little on social media. We wanted to get your feedback, and we wanted to find out what does being Canadian mean to you? And because it's a very diverse country, and we all have different ways that we got here and experiences in the country, we, of course, received uh, very diverse answers. So I picked five of them that I was actually going to put up. So let's, let's go through today. The first one's saying, this is what being Canadian means to me. Uh, they say, being proud of where I live, the good, the bad, and the ugly. How many can resonate with that? And there's good, there's bad, and there's ugly. And hopefully I'm not the ugly, but anyway, let's keep. <laughs> New opportunities and safety. That might, be, that might be really relevant to a lot of people. Say, I moved to this country because I wanted to find, I wanted to have a new opportunity. I felt like Canada was a safer place. Um, we had having access to a better passport, better education, and health. I know that many people find, I, I want to come to Canada because it sounds kind of similar, those new opportunities. I like this one. This was probably submitted by an American, uh, polar bears and igloos. That's what, that's what being Canadian. Has anyone ever seen an igloo? I just want to see. One? Okay, good. Two? We got some Canadian. Anyone ever seen a polar bear? Not at the zoo. Not at the zoo. Not at the zoo. Okay, a few people. Okay, we got a few Canadians in here. Okay, education and acceptance of many cultures. That's what somebody else said. So, Listen, we all have diverse experiences in this country because we, we, all, we all came in different ways. We've all experienced it in different ways. And um, for today's reflection out of the scripture, I wanted to take us to a point in Israel's history when they were in a land that was not their homeland. Um, yet God spoke to them and said, I want you to make it like your home. 
And it's a story that many of us who are participating in this service, whether you're joining us online, we know we have many people traveling this weekend, or whether you're here in the room, that there's a lot of people that would say, I resonate with the story that I'm living in a land that doesn't feel like my homeland. And that's whether you've immigrated and you moved here or whether you've lived here your whole life, but you just feel it like it's, it's changing. What does God have to say to people that, that are living in a place that are going, mm, it's not quite fitting me perfectly? And I believe this to be a very critical reflection for us, both last week as we started to look at what does it look like to love people well, and now this week, what does it look like to live well? We're at a critical point in our country's history and our country's direction. And I believe this is a time that we need to be strong as followers of Jesus. We need to be rooted very biblically, more solid than we ever have been before because how we live and how we love is going to determine partially the direction of both God's church in this country, but our country altogether. So I'm glad you're in church on a long weekend and uh, studying and worshiping together. We're going to end our time today. We have three individuals from the congregation that are going to come and lead us in a time of prayer for our city, for our province, and for our nation, because what we're going to study today in the book of Jeremiah is that's what God calls us to do, is that we would be, that we would be representative of God's people in a place that may not perfectly reflect us. So open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Jeremiah 29. If you're visiting with us today and you're looking for everything that we're going to talk about, the scriptures, the points, you need to download the Portico app from the App Store, the Google Play Store. You can find it there. Soon as you open the app, the very first uh, page you see is going to be four squares. One of them says sermon notes. Just click on that. All three points and all the scriptures from today's message are in there. You can follow along. If you have your Bible open, or I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation if you're selecting a version. And our key text is verses 4 through 14, but I want to read for us four verses, uh, verses 4 through 7, as we get started this morning. This is what the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives that he has exiled to Babylon from, Jeru from Jerusalem. So Jeremiah is going to share a prophecy to God's people who are living in Babylon. Here's what he says. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so you can have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Let's pause and pray this morning as we move into the reflection. Lord. We thank you for this great nation that we find ourselves in. We thank you for your hand on our lives. We thank you for this prophecy that is in your word. And we ask, Lord, that you would um, show us how we would live that out today in our nation, Lord. I pray that you would make these words life to our souls and that we would see your hand leading each step of our way, both as individuals and as a church community. We thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. So three reflections from Jeremiah 29 as we look at how to live well in this nation of Canada. First is this, that God's people need to preserve, I'm going to put our in there, our identity. We need to preserve our identity. So let's take some, his, some history. We need a historical context for what's going on where we read Jeremiah 29. 
God's people had been given a nation and he had made a covenant with them and he said, you're to live this way. This is what it looks like to live in relationship with me. And he, he supernaturally gave them the land. It was, it was called Canaan. Remember, they marched around the city of Jericho and the walls fell down. And God gave them military victory over giants that were living in the land, people nine, 10 feet tall. And, and, and God gave it to him and he said, I'm gonna bless you here as long as you live by this covenant. And in a few short generations, they had forgotten what it meant to live in covenant with God. And so God was removing his blessing and removing the nation. He was sending them off into exile. They were being punished by being sent to a place that was not God-honoring. It was polytheistic, many gods, many, many religions. Babylon, if, you, if you're reading in other places in scripture, especially prophetic literature, if you see the nation or the city Babylon uh, mentioned, it is often used as a synonym or a representative for a people that have set themselves up against God or a, a place where, where sin exists. So when you read it in, 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 in Proverbs or you read it in Revelation or other prophecies, you know that Babylon is representative of sin. So, so God has sent his people into the literal and figurative center of sinful human existence. Now, I'm not one to make giant prophetic statements and go, this is what was happening at that time and here's what's happening in modern day North America and it lines up in Revelation. I don't wanna go there because I think it leads us to interpret scripture in ways we were never meant to read it. We're putting our own story onto scripture as opposed to reading scripture and saying, what does it, what does it mean for me? But here in Canada, how many would agree that we are living in a culture that is not set up to lead us to proper relationship with God. How many would agree with that? Okay, we have a few that would, that would see that way. Good. We have religious practices in this country that say you can, you can worship any God you would like and you can worship he or she in any way that would resonate well for you. And as long as you're, as long as you're not tearing somebody else down, then if that's good for you, then you can worship God in that way. That would be very normal for us to accept as a Canadian culture. We have sexual practices that go way outside how God designed them. We have people that are living self-centered lives that is not based on love God and love others. It's love self and tolerate other people who are like you. In fact, this is the first time in, in history when we have determined that if there's another human being that doesn't have the same opinion as you do, you don't tolerate them, you actually say, well, then you're, then you're phobic of me. We've never done that before. We said, no, you can have opposing opinions, not anymore. If you don't agree, then you're phobic, and we try to tear somebody down. This is the country we're living in. Now, I love this country. I have a giant flag on my front porch because we had a Canada Day party yesterday. But I'm trying to be realistic about what we've normalized as a culture. And I want to speak very directly to our young people, whether it be our youth or our young adults. Here's what you need to know. This is not progress. This is regress. It is not progress to say, let's move forward into a place where we just tear down somebody else and say, you must believe the common narrative. We have not progressed as a society. We've set ourselves up against God, and this is not normal in the rest of the world. This is a uniquely Canadian or North American argument that we're having. So what are we doing? 
in a way to follow God in a country that is telling us we need to shift, we need to adapt. Well, let's go to the word of God. Let's not make up our own story here. Let's go to the word of God. So what does is, what is Jeremiah prophesy to the people who were living in a culture that was set up against God? He said, build homes, plan to stay. <laughs> he said, plant gardens, eat food that they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses. And, and when he's speaking to this, he's saying, have spouses of the same religion, of the same faith, so that you can grow and you can thrive. He, he's, he's not saying intermarry. That was part of the covenant that Israel made with God, was that they would not go outside of, they would not marry together with people of a different faith. He's saying, but you would grow and you would thrive as a people, so that you'll have many grandchildren, so you would multiply, so you would not dwindle away. This is what the prophet says to the people living in Babylon. When you feel outnumbered, when I feel outnumbered in a culture, do you know what, you know what my natural tendency to do is? I was born in this country, so I'm truly Canadian through and through. You know what I do when I feel threatened? I back away. <laughs> I don't fight because I'm a good Canadian. I go, let's just make peace. Let's just... You. When, when I'm in the minority, I go, if I do my thing and nobody else notices, then I won't make any waves. Do you know what happens if we all collectively do that? We, we, will, we will fade into the background and we, and we will regress. Here's what Jeremiah clearly said to the people. You're going to be here... So establish yourselves, people of God, and hold on to the identity that God gave you, that the way I designed you. Create your culture in the middle of a culture, multiply and flourish. Don't hide back, but flourish as my people. Just because you're existing in Babylon doesn't mean that that makes you any less God's chosen people. You exist in Babylon, so I want you to thrive as my people here in the middle of a culture that is set up against me. And there is a significant attack going on on, on, our, on our identity as God's children. We, we are at risk of, of losing our unique identity as God's children. Let me, let me walk this through. What, is, what does scripture tell me? I am created in his image. If the culture tells me if I don't fit into the box that God created me in, then I can recreate myself in my own desired image, right? Right? That's what culture says, right? What does scripture tell me? I'm made in his image. He tells me that in Christ, I'm with my brothers and sisters. He created them male and female. He did not create us to identify as a different, as certain race or certain ethnicity or even identify on any kind of distinctive anything other than I am Rick, God's son, created in his image. He didn't say we should, I need to put a label on myself, he, him. He did not say I need to do that. He did not say I need to label myself as Indian, Canadian, Christian or whatever it may. He said, you are my son, my daughter, created in my image. There is no male or female or Jew or Greek. We are all one in Christ. Now we're feeling this assault, this attack on who we are. And can I just say, we're not necessarily responding well. <laughs> I, I told you that, that as, as a Canadian, sometimes I have the desire just to, I don't want to be in a fight, so I, I don't want to fight. But here's, here's the two things that I see the church doing. Number one, we're adapting, and we're saying, can't we just be, get along? Like, like, if the culture wants us, can't we just say, let's just adapt so that 
like maybe the Bible's a little outdated, so let's just bring in some new ideas and, and, and we can worship that way. Can we just adapt? That's the one side. So then, so then some people go, well, if I can't adapt, then I'm going to fight. Man, I'm going to stand up. Pooh, I'm taking them on. And compromise is wrong, right? So is forcing somebody else to try to believe what you believe. Our response, what did, what did God call us to do? Flourish as the people that he created us to be. Make homes, live lives, multiply, flourish, live confidently as God's people. Where? In the center of Babylon where I sent you. Now, now Babylon was a place they had conquered many nations. So there were people, there were lots of nations, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious place that they were living in. And God didn't say, destroy all the nations around you. He said, live there, flourish, marry, plant, prepare to stay. Identify strongly as my people, but don't war against everyone else. And this is where we've gotten it wrong over the years. God didn't say, make Babylon like Israel. He did not call us to do that. We don't expect that our culture will necessarily change, but we do hold on to our identity as the children of God and thrive. Why? So, so let's, let's keep going on this. Remember, we're looking at scripture. Our second thought is, if we have our identity, God's people then need to serve the welfare of the nation that he's placed them in. It is the opposite of tearing down the nation, which is what some of us would like to do because we see the nation going in a way that we're not comfortable with. So we're like, well, let's, let's tear it to, burn it to the ground and build it back up again. We are to serve its benefit. God's people were in Babylon. They were living alongside a diverse group of international exiles and people that have moved there because it was, a, it was the, the, the dominant nation of the time, the dominant um, empire. So it was prosperous. It was a good place to live in many ways. So you got this giant mix of religion and culture all doing their own thing. Does that sound like Canada at all? A giant mix of religion and culture, everybody doing, doing their own thing. So what does Jeremiah say to God's people in the middle of that? Let's put it on screen, verse seven. This is the word of the Lord to us. Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you. Don't, don't, fight it, <laughs> work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you in the exile, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Sometimes understanding the context of some of the Bible stories we read is really, really important. How many are familiar with the story of Daniel? The story of Daniel in the Bible? Daniel, he was, a, he was brought into Babylon in the exile, and he was chosen to be a leader in the nation. You know what, Dan what was Daniel's response? He was brought into, this is, this is the time that Daniel was brought into Babylon. It, this moment, the same prophecy was being given. So what did Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego determine to do? They said, you know what, even though the culture eats this way, we're gonna follow the diet that you gave us. We're gonna live by covenant. Even though the culture says, we're, we're gonna worship the golden statue, we're not gonna bow down to your golden statue. We're gonna worship God. Daniel determined, I'm gonna make prayer to the Lord, the only God, as a regular thing, but I'm not gonna do it in spite of Nebuchadnezzar. What did they do to Nebuchadnezzar? They served him at the highest level, 
and became advisors in the country to the place where they were given leadership and influence within the country, not because they tore down Nebuchadnezzar, because they served him. And this is where we get it wrong. Work for the peace and the prosperity of the nation where I have sent you and let God rise you up. Now, it ticked people off to the point where, where the three Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire. What did God do when they were faithfully serving both Nebuchadnezzar and God? He protected them. Daniel, with Daniel served years and years and years in high-level leadership places because he was faithful. Even he's 90 years old when he's thrown into, into that lion's den, and yet still God preserves him. You know, you know what Canada doesn't need anymore? Canada doesn't need any more angry Christians trying to tear down the leadership of this nation. You know what Canada needs? Faithful Christians demonstrating righteousness and what it looks like to serve a nation. Canada needs good people of character and integrity moving into positions of leadership because of their high level of integrity and because of their high level of devotion to who? The nation where God has placed us. Even if it's not a nation that we feel represents us perfectly, what if God was speaking to you right now and saying, what would it look like to serve this country at a high level where God would put godly men and women into positions of leadership and influence? And it's not just Daniel or Shadrach or Meshach and Abednego. Think of Esther. This is the same exile period. Esther changed an entire, the, the entire legal system. They were going to wipe out the Jewish people, except that Esther was in the right place for such a time as this. And you go back in history, Joseph in Egypt was, was the one that saved everyone from famine. Why? Because a faithful individual serving the Lord said, I'm not going to work against Pharaoh. I'm going to serve him. How many Christians can you think of right now that are in top-level leadership positions of this nation advising our top leaders because they want to work with them as opposed to against them? Do you know a name? I, <laughs> I don't know many. We have some. What if God was speaking to you today about serving this nation and saying, I will be a person of integrity and righteousness that will hold on to my identity as a son or a daughter of God, and I will serve the welfare of Canada, regardless of, I believe, with the way that it's going right now. How amazing would it be to have a Daniel in our city right now? How amazing would it be to have an Esther serving alongside our prime minister right now? These are individuals that loved God and they didn't need to war the culture. They served God and their leader because of their faith. We need to learn to live with conviction to Christ, but devotion to the leadership that God has put over us and not let those two things be in opposition to each other. So, hey, serving God is not easy. <laughs> we don't, serving God is not always comfortable and will not always go with our natural instinct, but it is the word of the Lord to us today that we would serve both our heavenly father and the leadership that he's brought into us. And here's our landing point today. God's faithfulness will be found even in seasons of uncertainty. And this is, this passage that we're studying, this is where one of the most famous Old Testament Bible verses comes from, but it's really important to see it in its context. We're gonna hear about God has, having a plan for us, a future and a hope, but he says, hold on to your identity, people of God. Serve that nation of Babylon, the place that represents sin on earth. Serve it. 
and I will care for your future. Look at Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. As we put it up, I'm going to invite Mark and Josh to come back, our worship team. But here's, here's what it says. This is what the Lord says to us. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. He goes, you're going to be here, everyone. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I've promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. You know, I've lived in this country for 44 years. And I am less certain about the future prosperity of this country than, than I ever have been in all my 44 years living here. Not that I remember distinctly what was going on when I was five and six years old. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm more uncertain about what's happening in our world right now than I ever have been. You know what I am certain of? God's faithfulness. I am certain that God has plans for good. I am certain that God has made a home for me. I am certain that my future, regardless of what happens in Canada, my future is with him in perfection in heaven. And until I go to the home that he has prepared for me, I will serve in the home where he has sent me. Can you say that? I am not certain what will happen in this home where he's placed me, but I am certain that he will be good, so I will serve him here where he's placed me until he brings me home where I know he's created one for me.